Absolutely be a fan of bassholes now. All right, Chris, how we doing, man? That was a few technical difficulties there, uncharacteristic, uh, but hey, we're back. We're here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, that was weird. We've never had that happen, but we'll just jump right into it. Um, yeah, mine's well. So it's been a it's been a tumultuous week for. What is that? Can we get a, a definition of that, please? tumultuous i think like almost disastrous uh mm. wild a little crazy um you know i uh where to start i guess we'll just start with the jazz game um i know you didn't get a chance to watch a ton of it but that was the uh not proud to say the first timberwolves game this season i've actually had to turn off um you know mid-game and, it was pretty good uh, though at halftime though. I, I watched the first half and at mid we were we went on a little run. Um, I think we almost tied the game. We took the lead there at half. When what what caused you to turn the game off? There's usually that one moment that you can go back to to where you turn the game off. What what was it? So yeah, I was proud of the team because we did go down um, ten early in the first half, and we had a like a, a ten point run in like a minute and a half. So we we were down by one at half to the Jazz, and I was I was really you know proud of the team actually. I for for some context here i wouldn't have been mad if we lost to the jazz i i really was expecting us to lose um to the jazz it was kind of hey, just come on now it was kind of just the you know without delo the matter we lost to the jazz in in the second half and um kind of i guess the point in time that made me turn the tv off was um the really dumb shot selection and lackluster defense, I think, in the third quarter. Um, that was one of the worst third quarters. I think the, I think it might have been the worst third quarter I've watched the Timberwolves play this year. And if you know the Timberwolves, um, we really struggle in the third quarter. So to say that was one of the worst I watched is is a, uh, a very powerful statement. Um, kind of just a few things to highlight from the game. Uh, there wasn't a lot of bright spots in the game, but I will say um, I thought I thought Patrick Beverly coming back from the leg injury – putting up like I think eight really quick points in the first yep. and I think he ended with like 18 or something like that I thought Pat Bev had a great game um I also thought Ant had a good game for what it was worth um I thought it was a really really strong first half from Ant and uh I think the third quarter obviously no one played well and uh he he was sat most of the fourth quarter they had a lot of the uh a lot of the backups in so Obviously, I think Ant could have a better game for, but I thought him and Pat Bev did enough for this team to to stay in the game. And there's a lot of bad this game. And I first want to start out with the uh, with the leader of the team because I think that's where I, where you always got to start out when you're dissecting a loss. And I think Carl Anthony Towns did not do enough, especially in the first half. Um, you know, the first half when the rest of the team was playing amazing, it looked like Cat was almost tentative out there to a point it looked like he was a little you know nervous with Gobert in the paint and yeah. it really it really showed man he he barely took any shots in the first half even well, I hate ahead. to interrupt you Chris but the thing about that is Chris Finch was making statements before the game that he wanted Carl Anthony Towns to shoot what 15 to 23s that game he gave him basically the biggest green light that I've ever seen an NBA coach give a player and for him not to shoot it just it just seemed like what else you got to do to like 
to shoot more. You know what I'm saying? Like, how much more of a push do you need than your coach coming out and saying he wants you to shoot 15 to 23s in a game? Yeah, there's also post game comments of like Anthony Ant, Edwards had Ant, a huge, Ant, yeah. ha, Ant having to talk to Carl Anthony Towns and literally tell him like stop playing afraid to go bear like you, it doesn't matter if you get blocked you just got to shoot man like you, we're not we're not gonna win if Carl Anthony Towns doesn't shoot the ball I don't I don't care who who we're playing we there was playing a, there them. was a lot of statements about go bear I feel like Pat Bev had a lot of funny ones he he really takes it personally that go bears the um, defensive player there did you see that one where he was talking about how. The defensive player of the year is not guarding the best player on the other team, but he's guarding Vando. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, but um, it worked though. That's the thing. Like that, it it really worked just, amazingly. They amazing. they they played cat like a lot of teams play cat. They they double him right off the post. And cat Ant said this in the post game interview too. He said he said cat, you got to make a quick move. Like you got to do something with it right when you catch it. Because once they come double team you, they're going to be playing up tight in my face. I'm not going to be able to get the ball and you're going to have to make a pass, which you haven't been able to do for some reason. And I think what that's... Do you, what do you think about Ant making those comments publicly instead of just going out and telling Cat that in private? Do you think that's the right way to go about it? I don't, I don't really mind it, honestly. I, I think they each... Like, I think Carl in the past has told, you know the press like stuff that ant needs to do and what yeah. D-Lo need. like i don't i don't really have an issue with those three addressing the press and using themselves in there um i i don't know man it was just you know carl the past six games has been super impressive i thought he's averaged 30 10 and 5 i think in the last five games and uh for him to go out there and just shit the bed like that i thought was kind of telling on what carl was like it was kind of telling the first like minute or two of the game what type of game Carl was gonna have because he and just he's, had he, no. He's impact. like that. You you can tell you can tell kind of early in the game what kind of game he's gonna have. And um, actually, when you were talking about turning off the Jazz game, I turned off the Hawks game. Maybe even before halftime, I think, because that that game was god awful. Yeah, I, I'll we'll finish here with yeah, the Jazz game. Of course, of course, because those those two I think are both important to uh to talk about. Um. I guess to cap it off in the third, I, I was really on it. So we started off with cat. He was one of the low lights of the game. I, he, he, he had a decent second half, but even in the second half, I thought he, this is a story of the game for everyone, but missed layups, man. That's what lost us this game to a very, very big extent. We've missed a lot of points in the paint. I, we left a lot of points out there that could have been gotten. Would that have won the game with the way we were playing defense? Probably not, but it, it sure as hell, it, we wouldn't be, you know, losing by 32 if we would have got at least some of those layups. Um, mm-hmm. I think another thing to touch on, too, is um, I'll get into Malik in a little bit here. But no. <laughs> Jaden McDaniels, man, I don't know what he was doing in that in the game, to be honest. I don't have the line in front of me, but it seemed like every single shot he took, he missed. He He can't hit a... A three-pointer right now, and I think that kind of digs into a deeper subject that I know no Timberwolves fan wants to have, and that is the reality that Jaden McDaniels hasn't had a good year. And it's it's t- I, uh, at least offensively. I know he's I know he's decent defensively, but you know we can find Jaden McDaniels around the league right now that are doing what he's doing at the moment. I, he's just not that player we're expecting you know a sophomore year to be we need him to be able to hit that three at at least above 30 percent man it it can't be this bad like yeah but again i think the problem with the whole Jaden mcdaniels thing is that we had way too high of expectations for him going into his second year i mean he was what the 30th pick in the draft 
around there, 28th, something there. Um, we had just so, so, such high expectations for him. Everyone was saying he was going to be the Scottie Pippen, Anthony Edwards, and that's just not realistic. And I don't know. There is other players that are doing the same thing that we're expecting from Jane McDaniels, but is it really the best move to move on from him this early in his career when we got him at so late in the draft? What do you think? No, I, I by no means think it's time to you know shoot the shoot the sail or shoot the ship. On, but that um, but that's the thing. So many uh, Timberwolves fans are acting like is like, yeah, Jaden McDaniels hasn't lived up to these extremely high expectations that we've set for him this year. So we got to move on from him. It's okay to no. He has been he's still outplayed where we drafted him by a lot. And I I don't know. I think that he's a young player. He's coming off of the flu. He lost ten pounds. He's gonna be all right. He, he's already he's he's playing better than we expected him. Yeah, I I let me let me rephrase. Yeah, I rephrase. It. You got because you're sounding like all the other Timberwolves fans. I'm no, no, no. Twitter. I I don't mean I don't mean to I don't mean to sound like I've given up on Jade McDaniel's because I haven't. Obviously, he's a really raw player, just as Anthony Edwards, just as Balmero is. All three of those draft picks from 2021 or 2020 are really raw players, and they're gonna take right. time. Um, what I'm what I'm saying is from from the Jaden we've seen of the last two months of the of the previous season, it's it's a little it's a little telling to an extent that we have he's not in the starting lineup. Like we were expect the the bare minimum I think for Jaden McDaniels was to solidify himself at that four this year and kind of fix that rotating door that we've seemed to have the past few seasons, and it, it really. It sucks to see, you know, you really want to see Jaden out there, you know, starting at the four, because I think if he gets that three point shot going, I think he is a good four for us. I think he is a starting caliber four for a lot of teams. And it's just, I hope the shot will come because, you know, Peyton and I, you know, he's been at three games. The one Peyton and I went to, we saw Jaden McDaniels out there an hour before just all his shots were three point shots from different spots on the arc. And I think that's what he should be working on because I, He's so open so much so much yeah. of the time and you just love to see him hit the three at a at a substantial clip. And I I think that's what he really has to hunker down and you know get right. Because if he if he can figure that out, man, he's he's gonna be a really talented player in this league. It's just you know, we look at it from a dark side, and if he doesn't ever get that offense figured out, then then what does Jaden McDaniels give to you? Like a, a big defender. Um and like like I said, I'm not we're not sailing away yet on Jane McDaniels is horrible. I'm just, I'm pointing out one of the, one of the reasons why this team has experienced some of these losing streaks. And that's a, that's a big reason. I mean, Jaden's a top seven player on this team and he, you know, we really do need him. And that's, is, is that unfair of us to, you know, already need him this much possibly, but it's, it's the situation he's in. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with what you're saying. I mean, we have to start, we have to point to why why this team is so inconsistent, and it's so hard to be a fan of such an inconsistent team. We can go on, what are we going a six game win streak? Was it five game win streak? Seven in the last know, yeah, eight? something like one seven last. And we we that. were we were on top of the world. Everyone was so happy, and then we go on a four game losing streak, and everyone's back to let's trade away. Let's. It's just so I don't know against some brutally tough teams too. Like right, these are very right. Th- this this December schedule, we going into it, we knew that this was going to be hard. We we're we're striving for five hundred. That's kind of what I I've, I'm looking to go five hundred in this uh, December month. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard month for sure. 
Yeah, I don't know I, what I was saying. Like, no, that's all right. <laughs> like, like, like you were saying. I mean, it's it's going to be a tough month. You just you'd love to see him grab you know one of these two games against the Hawks or the Jazz at home because yeah, home, home games will be especially you know important. And uh, finish up in the Jazz game here. We don't have to take too long at it, but I hate having to bring him up, man. I really do because <laughs> he was one of my favorite players last year. He's he's still I I like him. I know he's one of your favorite players, but oh for sure, Malik, come on, man. Like it's just when he's open off of when he's coming off a of pick and open. That's I I make or miss. That's a good shot. I'm glad he's taking that shot, man. But the the shot selection, I think what happens is I think he gets – when he makes one of those threes, I think he gets really anxious with the ball and is like, give me the ball as fast as possible. I want to get another shot up. I just made one. Like, I'm, I'm going to get in my zone. Because he's trying he to – yeah. Chucks up the dumbest shot. It's always – it's he is an off-ball player, and I think he needs to realize that more. Like, he doesn't realize, I don't think, that he's an off-ball player, and that's when he that's where he succeeds, man. Coming off those high screens for a wide-open pick is – or for a wide-open three is great. And – the problem comes when Malik Beasley is doing size up dribble moves on the wing. He's not a good interior player. He's not a great finisher at the cup. I think he's more athletic than he's given credit for, but he, he does not hit a lot of those pull up threes and he's got to realize that and not take those shots. It, it hurts the team, man. Like it's, it's such an energy boost when he hits a three for you, but it's such, it's such a killer when he, when he goes down and takes a dumb shot. I think he's. I think he's almost having an an, um, an identity crisis as a player. I think that he's he's lost. I mean, he's he's always been that spot up shooter, three point guy. Um, always just he finds the open spots, gets the open threes, and makes it very consistently. But I think that when he's not making his threes, he doesn't really know how else to find that offense. And like you said, when he makes one, he he really looks to find that second one, and then. He ends up taking a bad shot, taking away from that three he just made before. It almost cancels out on the good play he just made. So I don't I was know. Just about I, to say that, man. Like, yeah, like you can hit a three, but then if you go down and take a horrible shot, then what's the point of making that three earlier? I think he needs to just calm down, let the game come to him. Once he start making his shots, dude, he's gonna start getting his minutes back. I mean, he's he's one of the best shooters on this team, but right now he's really struggling. And that's what sucks about Malik, man, is I think he has shown improvement over the past two weeks. I think I think his shot has been dropping at a higher clip than it, than it once had. It's just the bad shot selection is bringing his percentage down to what it was because he's 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 taking worse shots, actually, now than yeah. he did when he was struggling. And I, I think you pointed at something that could be a, a bigger picture of, a, of an issue with this team is – is kind of that Malik mindset. Like I hit one shot. It's, it's my right to have that ball and it's my right to create for myself next play where I, I think there's four players that do that on the team. And I think it's the big four, you know, the big yeah. four scores. I don't know why when each of them hits one, I don't know why they think it's their, their right just to get the ball right back. And I, I get it. If you have a mismatch on you, feed the guy, but most it's just so random. And that's why this half court offense is struggling is because I hit one shot. I'm gonna go down there, and they're gonna they're gonna defend pretty well, and I'm still gonna take that shot when we could have looked for a different shot in that Cause, possession. Because you just, can still get a shot. Like just because you're not taking the shot in the first few seconds of the shot clock doesn't mean you're not gonna get a shot that whole possession. I think that's kind of the problem. Like these guys are thinking like it's just we're not really playing team basketball, and we haven't we haven't really played team basketball up to this point, and that's kind of the problem. They don't trust. That's- they don't trust other players. Like if Malik Beasley hits one, 
one possession and he comes back down the court the next possession. He doesn't trust his team to be able to run a, a good, a full possession and still get him that shot at some point. He feels like the only way he's going to get a shot is if he goes and gets it for himself. And that's creates just not the best atmosphere to be a part of. Yeah, and that's why the half-court – I think the one word for the half-court offense is being bad. I, I, I don't think it's that big of an issue. I, I think Finch is a, an excellent play caller. I just think players are being selfish. I, I just don't think I – th- I don't think the offense is running it how it's supposed to due to a mindset from some of these players. And I, it's the half-court offense isn't going to get any better until we put, start playing more team basketball. And I, I'd much rather see you – know you know who plays team basketball extremely well and looks for their shot only when it's the right time to? I think there's Nas two Reed. players on – that's one of them. There's two players on this team. Nas and Patrick Beverly do it better than anyone I've ever seen. If, if they know they have a lane to try to go make a floater, they're going to do it. If, they, if they're covered on the perimeter and they don't think they can hit that shot, they're going to pass the ball and go screen away. And it's, it's so apparent in Nas Reed, man. He only takes the wide open three. He only shoots the layup if the, if the roll's there. Or he only makes a post move if he knows he can beat his guy off the dribble. And look what happens. Nas is the, one of the most efficient players on this team. And I trust him more than anyone to make a move in the post to try to create for himself down there. Because first of all, super underrated. I think Nas Reed's drop step and post moves are some of the most underrated. In the NBA. He, you, he seems to get so. a wide open layup. Every I call time. him the, the reincarnation of Hakeem Olajuwon every time. He's got the best one of, some of the best footwork in the whole league. If I'm going to be honest with you, Chris, he it's, it's a need, work of art. We need our top tier players to have the mindset of Nas Reed and of Patrick Beverly. And it's, it's, it's frustrating, you know. I think they've taken on a. I just, I I love that we're a better defensive team this year than we were last year. But I am so tired of talking about just defense, man. I want right. to talk about defense and half court offense. I'd, I'm, so I, tired, I'm so tired of all our points coming off turnovers. Dude. I'd I rather want some points. I'd rather be a better offensive team than a better defensive team. If I'm going to be honest with you. I'd rather outscore the opponents than. Because we we should have so if we're any other team, I mean, sure, defense is great, but our team we have so many offensive minded players. We we should be such an offensive centered play, team, and we're not. And I and it it goes back to the half court offense. And do we need to have more set plays? Because it feels like we don't really run many. Would that help? It might. It might. I feel like um that might be something we should we should look at or at least talk about. I think the. I think the thing is, too, is we talk about this grand defense that's really, you know, a non-sustainable way of playing defense, which, which is high volume, you know, get in your face defense, like feast off turnovers. That's how they live on defense at the moment. And it's shown against the past two games against really good teams what happens, you know, when we're when our rotations are all off and we're mm-hmm. giving up NBA record amounts of threes in two games. And I want to kind of go to the Hawks game just for a little bit here and bring up a name that I hope none of you know. Um, I didn't know his name. Uh, Timothy Luwalu Cabarro. I knew him. He's from France. If any of he did have a good international season, I did see that. But if any of you guys watched the Hawks game, I don't know how annoyed I was when this he's guy. A big, he's a big 2K player. I, he's always on my 2K team. <laughs> he he averages two threes a game. I think the announcer said. My God, he was open every single time he touched the ball. And guess what? He's a smart player. You know, if he wasn't open, he'd pass the ball. But half the, more than half the time, he'd be wide open. And I think most NBA players are going to hit a wide open three. Like we, cannot, we can't let Timothy get 23 points on you and expect you to win when he's a five-point-per-game guy. That's you got to play to other people's averages. You can't let these players – you can't let random players beat you, man. 
Chris, let me let can't. me bring up a point for you. Are are the Timberwolves really good at defense, or are the Timberwolves just playing high um, gambling defense? They're going for blocks and steals. The stats might be there, but are they really playing good team defense? That's the question. I I, I think that I I think they're good at forcing turnovers. I don't know how good they are at defense. And sure, you, sure, you can turn you can force a few turnovers here and there, but if you're giving up wide open threes, what's the point of even? Um, forcing those turnovers like if you're playing we get, we defense up, strictly to force turnovers and then but you're still giving up wide open threes i, I mean is the trade-off really there we're one of the highest teams with three-point makes against us i mean it, and it's apparent because guys are out of position because yeah when they're shooting when we're shooting the gap shooting the gaps playing um this high gambling defense where you're always going for the steal if you don't get that steal what does that do that puts every other player on your team because another guy's got to another guy's got to step up. Yeah. Exactly. Is so is it is it worth it to play that gambling defense? I don't know. And these last few games, it it has not been. And I don't know. I th- I, I think I think it's good in some games. You know, I I, I think it, every team has, should have a different defensive game plan against them. I I think some teams are more turnover prone than others, and those teams should be hounded. And I think the timber that's one of the Timberwolves' strengths. But if you're playing against the Atlanta Hawks who have shooters all over. Um, Gallinari is another name to mention who just got every single wide open three he oh, wanted. Um, he played a nice game. Yeah, he did have a nice game actually. And it, when you, when you over rotate on the Hawks, you're going to, you're going to yeah. leave open a shooter in the corner and most likely the Hawks are going to knock that shot down. And that was just the story of that game. I, we almost gave up an NBA record for three pointers in the game. And we gave up their franchise record. It was their yeah. franchise. Um, a few other things I want to talk about, Chris. I mean, um, there's no need to panic. I'm going to be honest with you. I, this is just how the NBA season goes. It's a long season. Last year was a shorter season. This is an 82-game season. You're going to have ups and downs. I just wish that we could, you know, maybe lose two games and then win two games. Just kind of have, instead of being so streaky, just kind of. But the problem is that all the horrible teams in the Western Conference that have been so bad are starting to play great. So now that 10th seed is, is looking a little harder. I mean, the Rockets, what are they – Seven game win streak now, the Kings man, the Kings are creeping up too. It's you're the the Kings, Rockets, and the Pelicans aren't just gonna let you take the ten seed. You're gonna have to go get it. One yeah. of the, one of us four teams. Let's talk about the Spurs too, man. The Spurs They're are all coming for us. They're, They're all, all coming, coming for, for us, it. man. And we're so that's what I'm saying. We gotta. We just can't. We can't be having these losing streaks, especially in this month of December, where you our know, schedule. You know how, is. Horrible. Complete, so completely off topic, man. But like, you know how I would build a build an NBA team? I I'd build it like the Jazz, and I know that's easier said than done. But you only need one like star score, and then if you have a Bojan Bogdanovic or a Joe Ingles or a Rudy Gobert or a Royce O'Neal, who are super unselfish players who are who average ten a game. It, I mean, Bojan's averaging what eighteen? Ingles averages fifteen. These guys are amazing off-ball players who are extremely unselfish and look for the you know look for their shot or pass and we don't have guys who pass i don't i don't know <laughs> it's just becoming an ever more prevalent issue of wow. just some big too many guys there. trying to score I, well we we talked about this in the beginning of the season man there's only one ball and when you have only one ball. three to four guys who are ball dominant players you're gonna have an issue and and there's been so many problems with that the rockets a few years ago with harden and westbrook um, I mean, there's only one ball. So what are you, how are you going to – you can't have guys that need the ball in their hand to score. And we I, say you pick, I say you pick two, at, pick two at the most and surround those guys with amazing talents. Like, 
like a Robert Covington, a Joe Ingles, uh, you know, a Kevin, a Kevin Herter. So you like tell me it's guys. time to uh, time to gut the roster and rebuild. Chris? No, yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. not. I'm, I'm, not I, I'm not saying gut the roster. I'm saying we are not. We are not at this very point in time. The way we're playing to start the season through what almost 25 games. This team is not a competitor in the West. And All right, I, so I, that's GM ever Chris, more apparent. What move are you making? You say you get one move to make. Say uh, our GM, I don't know his name off the top of my head. I should. What is it? Sachin. Sachin, yeah. Say Sachin gives you one move. He says, all right, Chris, I'll, I'm going to hand you the keys to the team for one week. You get to make one trade move. What is the one move you're going to make? Or you can pick up a free agent. Um, what's the one move you're going to make? Everyone in the comment section, put what, put what move you're going to make as well. So this is this is what I'm going to say about this about this topic is I think this team does need to be active at the deadline. I think that's that's apparent that there's obviously pieces that are missing from this roster. There's pieces missing from every roster in the NBA. There's no perfect roster. There's just teams who play extremely well with each other and aka the Warriors and Suns. I know it's a highly publicized you know, trade rumor. I know everyone talks about it, but I would, I would like to see the Miles Turner move, and there's a couple reasons for it. I think Miles Turner is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. First of all, he's he's a he's a four slash five. He can, he can play either position. Um, mostly been playing the, playing the five in his Pacers career. Um, he can hit the three at a high clip, high thirties potentially low 40s eventually he's an extremely good mid-range player he can score the ball from pretty much anywhere inside the mid-range he's a good post player good good offensive post player but the but the thing he's known for obviously is rim protection i think if you're gonna do you know if you're gonna do defense right in the nba you need to have a type of anchor and I think Miles Turner could be that anchor for this team. Not, I'm not saying Vandal can't do it. I'm saying Vandal's extremely young and raw and can't do anything else but play defense at the moment and be high energy. But if you have Miles Turner, you know, running the floor, being able to get shots off, um, crash the boards, grab rebounds, because that's another thing no one talks about. We get out rebounded every single time we play. And I, I think it's because of our lack of size. Miles Turner is 6'11. I, I really do think a two big system with Miles Turner and Carl Anthony Towns can work. I, I don't know what everyone else's thoughts on that is. Um, how how could it work? What what about Miles Turner? Um, it how is that going to work next to Cat? So they're basically what when you're describing Miles Turner as a player, you're saying a, a guy that can play the four or the five, can shoot the three, has a mid range. So he seems like Carl Anthony Towns, maybe a little bit nerfed down. Um, offensively, but with better defense, is that kind of he's? That's yeah, I mean, he's one. He's one of the best. Yeah, he's one of the po- best rim protectors in the league. He's he's the best shot blocker in the league. He's one of the you know elite rebounders in this league. So if, not only the, not only the four position, but for the five position. And so that's bas- something we need. Basically, uh, he's like Carl. He's the same player as Carl Anthony Towns. He's just better at the things that Carl Anthony Towns is not great at, and not great at the things that Carl Anthony Towns is great at. So they're the perfect combination, basically. You know, I I can't I can't say if they'd be the perfect combination. I don't I don't know how well they play off each other, but if there's anyone who would be able to do it, I think Miles Turner is definitely a prospect that can do it. And you know, if you if you don't want to pay the premium for Miles Turner, which right now is looking like 
a play <laughs> the Pacers the Pacers are obviously gonna blow the blow the whole thing up from reports. So I mean they're gonna be looking for picks and young talent. If you can get my if you're not willing to pay the uh you know the Malik Beasley and un and an unprotected first, then I think there's another good option that could present itself either as a starter or a backup, and that's Larry Nance Jr. And mm. I don't think he so we're talking about, about the same. We're either. talking about all the same guys we're talking. We talked about last year. We're also going to bring up uh, John Collins as well. <laughs> well John no. Collins is inked to a long term. But no, Chris, you you're the GM right now, so you get to make this move. So are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna throw in the kitchen sink for Miles Turner? You're gonna throw in Beasley, maybe McDaniel's two first round picks. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna trade for Miles Turner? A, re- a realistic trade for Miles Turner, I think, would be a be a Malik. In would an they, unprotected first, and I, I, I do think if there's teams in a bidding war, I think you, you might have to throw Jaden McDaniel's in there, and I think the Pacers would be intrigued by that. But like I said, you know, so I, you're per- saying Jaden Malik and a first round pick? Yeah, I mean on the high end, that's that's, that's definitely high. on the high end. Because I feel like that's almost what we were talking thinking. about for a Ben Simmons package. I mean Ben Simmons, right? The Ben Simmons package right now is just undoable for most teams. But right. I, I, w- I would say, you know, if you're if you're scared to throw in the kitchen sink, which at this point in time, who knows if it's if it's time to do that yet? I I do think there's major holes in this roster, though. I I don't think this is a perfect team by any means. And I I I the people who you know I'm friends with and who are, are Wolves fans, I I would generally generally think they think the same exact thing. And if you're not willing to do that, I think there's little pieces that can help you, like a Larry Nance. You you trade away, you know, it's probably going to be a Kogi and Layman. Just Lance is going to Lance or Nance wants out anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're if you're just wanting to trade away a Kogi Layman in a second, Larry Nance is your guy. I mean, he's a, he's an athletic rim runner type guy. He's not going to shoot the three particularly well, even though he can. Um, he's a thing. He's a career like. 35 36 i believe the last time i checked um but you know nance is a highly athletic guy i think he's kind of like a vando comp with with some shooting um he's on the older side of things i think he's 30 now um but yeah it's personally at this stage though if you're telling me if you're asking me do i want to blow it up or not like that's is that your question do i want to blow this core up my question um, was if you uh, if you got if you were the GM for forty eight hours, what move would you make? I'd I'd make the Miles Turner trade. I don't if it, but that's the other. I don't know how much it's going to cost. If if it's Malik in an unprotected first, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. Like no thought. I'm sorry, Malik, but there's no second thought in my mind if he's available. Yeah, for yeah I, I feel like the, the the asking price would be a lot higher for for him. And that's the thing. Just, it's it seems it seems like every team in the NBA wants Miles Turner. So I'm right. assuming it's going to be a nice price. And we we thought Aaron Gordon was going to be a little bit cheaper than he ended up being for the for the Nuggets. The Nuggets had to pay a That's the thing though. I I don't I don't think we need a first round pick next year. I I don't think that fits our timeline at the moment. I I don't want another young I don't want another 19-year-old on this roster. I really don't. I I'm kind of sick and tired of us drafting really young raw guys i want someone proven who's a full player who 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 we know what we're getting out of him and i think 25 year old miles turner is is a guy we know what we're getting out of him and i know this team will be better with him i know they will there we go that's some confidence and maybe maybe we'd sign you as as a gm chris um i don't know what what's different right now um about a week later after that win streak 
um, when we were saying we didn't want to make any trades. We were fine with the roster. What's different now after those after this four game losing streak? What has changed in your mind? Shooting and defense, I think is his. I think I was a little oblivious. I was I was living in that that safe haven of us winning six games against pretty shitty competition. If we're being completely honest, I don't, I don't think. I think every single one of those teams, the Wolves were supposed to beat, and they did, which I'm happy they did. Um, but these past few games, guys, it's it's you you see us giving up wide open layups every single like it, it's we we need some rebounding, we need some perimeter defense, we need some interior defense, and right now I we're not a shooting team, at, we're not shooting well anywhere no. right now, and I think defense is your best bet at this time and. I don't know. It's it's tough, man. It's tough being an NBA GM. I, I don't. I can't exactly pinpoint what's wrong with the Timberwolves, but it's pretty easy to see that there's there's gaps in this roster that will bite us. You know, come later in the year if they don't if they don't do something at this deadline. I th- I think they need to make an addition of some sort. I don't right. know, but I don't know what you think about that. Just any addition of some sort. I I don't know if we can. Yeah, I think with the same. Roster I mean, on the court at Chris, the we've we've basically besides like a Pat Bev and a and a Prince, we've basically had the same roster for the last two years. Um, we've been holding on to guys like a Kogi, um, Layman, and we haven't really made any big changes. So I, I'm okay making a small change, but I don't obviously like guys like um, D'Lo. Obviously, we got to keep him. Speaking of D'Lo, um, how big of an impact does he have? Because we're 0 five with him not in the game. Um, what do you speak on his impact a little bit? Um, you know, you know how I feel about him. I I think it's essential to have a good point guard in today's NBA. I don't think you can really be a super successful team without a good point guard. And I think that's why the Cleveland Cavaliers are actually pretty good right now. Is I think Darius Garland has taken that next step and is starting to you know put up some triple doubles and put up some high scoring games. And um. You know, it's especially apparent when your point guards, you know, when Pat Bell was out for the game, the Hawks game, I'm talking about, when you have to start Balmero and have McLaughlin, who's at best a G-leaguer coming off the bench, it's, you're not going to win like that, man. Like, I I like the future for Balmero. I I like it. I don't love it. Um, He is, he might be rawer than Jaden McDaniels, man. That's, that's not what we kind of thought Balmero was going to be coming in. You know, we kind of thought he was going to be a, at least somewhat polished because of his overseas experience. And I, I'm not, I'm not giving up on Balmero by any means, but it's, it's apparent he's not ready to, you know, lead an offense, even a second team offense at this point in time. I'm okay with him learning as a, as a third string point guard. I, it's, it's very important that Patrick Beverly and D'Angelo Russell are on, on the court. Um, it's everything. I mean, the offense, as you can see, doesn't run smooth, you know, without D'Angelo Russell. It, it, it hasn't been running smooth, though, with D'Angelo Russell. I I don't know. That's, see, that, see, that can be questioned, too. The only thing I'm curious about, and if I was a GM, um, wh- what would this team look like if we just had a true point guard? Not, I'm not saying, like, as true of a point guard as Ricky Rubio, but I'm saying a point guard that really can facilitate, really can run an offense. Not, I'm not saying a, a D'Angelo Russell guy who's a high-volume shooting point guard, but like just a true point guard. Would we be better with a point guard like that um, instead of a point guard like D'Angelo Russell? Because that would kind of get rid of the problem of having too many guys that need the ball. And I'm not – obviously this is unrealistic, but a point guard like Chris Paul, 
Like that he doesn't need to score to impact the game. He really is running the offense and finding other players. Would that I feel like that might look way different for our team. I think you I think you saw it last game in the first half with Patrick Beverly. I really do. I, I think a point guard like Patrick Beverly, who's a a very plus defender, who who's a plus passer as well. I think I don't think Patrick Beverly gets enough credit for that. And who who can score when needed to a high efficient scorer when needed to score, who doesn't need to do it at a twenty five per game clip. I I think Lonzo Ball. I, I was yeah, really high on Lonzo like Ball that. this summer, man. I think if you put Lonzo Ball at the point guard position right now instead of D'Angelo Russell, I. I I think this team is kind of like a Chicago Bulls record, and that's fourteen and seven. And I, I'm really high on Lonzo Ball, man. I I like the Bulls too. I'm I'm not just a Wolves fan. I like the Bulls too, and I, I can see them running through the East because of Lonzo Ball. And I, it sounds stupid, you know. They have Levine, DeRozan, and and uh, and Vucevic, but if you look at Lonzo Ball, he's shooting what like forty two percent from the three point line. He's one of the most talented passers in the league and can really run an offense. And would you rather Russell, have uh, Lonzo Ball over Lamelo Ball? Uh, I, I'd probably I bet pretty, on. I think they're I'd pretty bet comparable. I'd bet point, on Lamelo's. I'm I'm betting on Lamelo's potential. But if I was trying to win a trip chip this year, I'd probably have Lonzo. Um. I don't know, man. Lonzo's really good. I we've we we said this last year. I mean, I don't know how people underrate Lonzo. I think the Pelicans shipping him off is pretty dumb, or just they used him. Van Gundy used him wrong. But like I said, a Lonzo Ball type player, um, a Darius Garland type player. Even though Garland's pretty elite now, in my opinion, I I it's tough, man. I D'Lo's one of those players, man. You you lo- you love him when he's on. You hate him when he sucks. So I mean, it's tough. I don't know. It is tough, man. Um, well, I I think we got a few viewers in the chat. I think we should open up the comment section here. Um, we're not going to be able to uh, read all the comments up. So if you guys want to drop some new comments right now, we'll answer those, and then we'll let you guys go on with your night and maybe watch the Vikings get a dub. Watch the Vikes. Yeah. But the real game you should be watching is Iowa State-Iowa, undefeated Iowa State Cyclones um, going up against Iowa. One of the biggest games of the year, I, I would say. So we'll wait for these comments to come on. Um, Chris, we got the Cavs Friday. Is that a win or no? One-word answer. Uh, is D'Lo back or not? Yeah, that's more than one word. All right, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm I think gonna that's go gonna, with a no. I think that's gonna be one of the games where the Wolves uh, will win, just like uncharacteristically win. They'll probably beat the Cavs and the Blazers, go on a little two-game win streak, just surprise everyone, and then Ricky Rubio revenge game. That's true, though. That's a, you got to find those hidden narratives. Um, yeah, dude, I've been pretty spacey this whole podcast, so I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I had the yeah, uh, seems like you've been high, man. I, it's, I w- no, right. I um, I got the flu. Um, fever i mean that whole first debacle there with the uh are we live or are we not that was pretty embarrassing looks like no one's no one's commenting in the comment section so hey man that's all right go we can we can we can go on with the uh with the night i think so man hey i think this is a good uh good episode when are we live streaming next um let's see Maybe potentially this this weekend at some point. We got Sunday game versus the Blazers. Maybe we do that Sunday night game. Could do that. 
Um, no, I can't do Sunday night. That's the Bears Packers game. Oh my gosh! What about um, what about next Wednesday versus the Nuggets? Next Wednesday versus the Nuggets. Let me check the calendar. Sixteenth. We should be able to do next Wednesday. All right. Well, we'll talk to you then, buddy. All right. We'll see you guys. All right. See you.